I'm sure that uh, I'm not the only one that tuned into the Wabash DePaul game yesterday and were sadly disappointed at the outcome. I, I feel the sadness in the room, so I, I feel like I should address that a little bit. Um, the Monong Bell game has always been the highlight of any season for both Wabash and DePaul. This single game in the season is the most important game. A team could be undefeated, and if they lose, their season is just meh. But if they win, it's the best season ever. Just like any other football game, before each play, both teams huddle up. They gather around the one person who will be communicating the next play that will tell all 11 players on that team what their next move is and what their responsibilities will be. The information passed in the huddle is insider information. It is information just for that team, and it's not meant for the team on the outside, their opponents. As we hear this morning's scripture lesson from Luke 21, 5 through 19, I encourage you to hear it as if you were part of a huddle. We are insiders, and this is insider information. So, let's, let's huddle up. Let's gather around Jesus who has something for us. You can, you can stay sat down. We really don't have to huddle up around him. Unless you want, come on up and we'll act like we're huddling. But for now, we can pretend to be in this huddle and hear these good words. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said... As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will, be, this will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. 
but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we can easily get sucked up into this, this discussion of end times and we become worried. But let us hear today that this is not about the end times. Let us hear what it is that you have for us. Open our hearts and our minds so that we might be fully available. All these things we pray. Amen. Much of what Jesus was doing up until this point was very much in the public eye. Here at the beginning of chapter 21, he and the disciples have withdrawn and have huddled up with each other on a little small hill that was facing the temple. And from that spot, they could see the treasury where the faithful would deposit their financial contributions to the temple. And now, the disciples admired the temple in front of them. Jesus' words must have sounded so uncomfortable and disorienting. As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. Of course, the disciples' reaction is spot on with our own. Don't we still want to know the same exact things? They wanted a sign. We want a sign. They wanted to know when this was going to happen. We want to know also. They wanted to understand what it would look like. We also want to know what it will look like. They wanted to know how to prepare. We want to be prepared too. There have been so many attempts by numerous scientists and seers and prophets who have proclaimed to have discerned that on a specific date and time, the world would all come to an end. I remember back in 1986 or 87, I can still remember back then, someone had reported on a prediction from Nostradamus that the end was coming on this certain day and this certain time, and everybody in the high school was worried and anticipating something bad happening. Y2K was going to be the end of the modern era. The list could go on and on, but guess what? Here we are still, still chugging along. So before I go on, though, I have to tell you that I do not know the answers to these questions. I also want to tell you that I rarely spend any time thinking about them. What I do know is that I don't know. And what's more, I don't think we're supposed to know. If we were supposed to know, Jesus would have given us a much clearer timetable instead of just a list of horrible cataclysmic events like war and rebellion and plagues and portents. Anybody know what a portent is? I had to look it up. Want me to share it? It's a sign of something bad coming. 
and a bleak future of personal trials and tribulations, the refusal to set a timetable or even a clear sequence of events is repeated in Acts 1, verses 6 through 7, wherein the disciples ask the same question about when, when will this all happen? And Jesus tells them in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus' own words are very clear here. We aren't supposed to know when, but we do know that as Christians, the end here on earth won't even matter. But it's this plugging away that is the focus of this passage this morning. The challenge Luke has raised for us is exactly this hard, patience-demanding work of being called to live out the gospel in a world that expects to be redeemed pretty soon and not redeemed just yet. It is in this We know it's coming, we just don't know when time, during which we're called to be fruitful followers of Christ. Verses 12 through 15, for me, offer the most important words for us as insiders. In our huddle, gathered around Jesus, He is telling us that we as Christians will have to endure a lot of suffering as we wait for the kingdom. And while we're waiting and enduring, use that time to testify. When you get made fun of or even bullied for being a Christian, when you feel isolated and alone for standing on your Christian beliefs and it's in direct opposition to how the world would have you believe, when you're belittled and made to feel stupid about being a Christ follower, in all of those situations, in times when you feel persecuted for being a Christian, use those moments as an opportunity to testify of Jesus' call on your life. Take those horrible moments that will certainly be part of your life and be a witness, be a living example of Jesus Christ in this world now. The nerve-wracking part in all of this is that we weren't or aren't even supposed to plan out in our own minds what we want to say or do in defense of our Christian calling in those trying moments. The text just said that Jesus would give us the words and the wisdom we would need to silence our bullies, our critics, our naysayers, and even the world. We know that in the face of our tormentors, our witness may need to be something that we, on our own, cannot even think of yet. That bully, 
We might not know what he or she will need from us as a Christian in order to see Christ. That critic, he or she may need us to be a witness of Jesus Christ's grace. But what if we show up ready to conduct a verbal assault on them? Where is the witness of Jesus Christ's grace? That naysayer, that person who refuses to understand Jesus Christ, might need you to be the first Christian in their life to ever demonstrate authentic Christian love. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, Jesus is moving in and through us to be witnesses to the people in front of us every day. It's our responsibility to be sensitive to those moments that present themselves, even in the face of adversity. And verse 19, how great and hopeful is that one. If we can stand firm in the face of all the potential disasters and personal tribulations and still testify and are a witness of Jesus Christ, then at the end of it all, we will gain our souls. We will win the struggle. We will leave this age and enter into the next. For Luke, there are more important things for a Christian community to consider than the end times. It said that we would see wars, we have, and plagues, we have, and portents, we have, earthquakes, fires, floods, we've seen them all. We've heard all the predictions and it even feels like we're reaching a point in Christian history that looks bleak indeed. But therein lies Luke's call for us to be the bearer of the good news. As a church community, we have the inside scoop. We have a little bit of knowledge that so many around us don't have. If knowledge is power, then we have some incredible power and we can either hold on to this good news or we can share it. As a Christian community, when we see those around us panic-stricken over what the future holds, we have an opportunity to witness, to share the good news of a perfect world that is waiting. As a Christian community, when we hear people bashing the institution of the church, we have a witness of how the church has impacted our own lives. Is there no one here this morning that can give a witness of the impact this church family, right here and right now, has made in their life? That ought to be shared with those who don't have any of those experiences. We know what's coming, but we don't know when it's coming. We have our work cut out for us, but we must endure and succeed in our calling to be a witness of Jesus Christ. It's imperative that we do that. What if, what if nobody did that for us? Could you imagine the despair 
Maybe you have. And now you have a tremendous witness of hope. Could you imagine the emptiness? Maybe you have. And now you have a tremendous witness of God's ability to fill you up. Can you imagine the loneliness? Maybe you have. And now you have a extraordinary witness of God's never-failing companionship. Could you imagine the amount of hate? Maybe you have. And now, you are the witness to testify to God's unending love. Someone is waiting to hear. Can they get a witness? Would you pray with me? Gracious God, if you place us in a spot where there needs to be a witness of your grace and love in the world, then use us. Set aside our fears. Set aside our preconceived notions of what we think that person in front of us wants to hear. And just let us speak the truth. The truth of Jesus Christ's saving acts in our lives. The fellowship of love that we feel in our churches and especially in this one here at Darlington. And we pray, God, that we would simply get out of the way and let you use us. All of these things we pray. Amen. Thank you.